Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody this morning. Good to see those folks at home. Well, I can't see you, but I know you're there. Thanks for joining us this morning. In our service last week, we, it, we included this very lovely Father's Day video with various people calling out to their dads. And as this video played, something strange happened in me. Um, I started having these feelings. Strange, warm, fuzzy feelings that a couple of years ago wouldn't have happened. Like, you know, the eyes twitching, lump in your throat, feelings. And a couple of years ago, I would have looked at a video like that and I would have said, that's nice. It was a good video. I'm glad we included it. Now, a video like that happens and I'm like, it's allergies or something. It's just really dusty in here, right? And you know what? Something's changed in me over the last couple years, and I know what's changed. I'm now watching a video like that as a dad. I've been a dad for eight years now. I watch a video like that, and I get caught up in the emotion. It hits me differently than it did even eight years ago. And the reality is, is that's just one example of how certain experiences in life change us. They may be personal milestones, they might be tragedies, they might be a world event, it could be an educational experience, but the reality is is that as we go through life, there have been and there will be uh, experiences that change how we see and how we relate to the world. And so before we get any further this morning, we're gonna, I, I want to stop and I want to invite us just to think about that, to attach ourselves to that this morning. And we're going to do something that we haven't done in a while, that's something that I know is a little unnerving for some folks, but we're, just sit with me on this one. Uh, I'm going to ask you in a moment to turn to the people sitting beside you, okay? Some of you guys are like, I'm out. Okay, no, you can go for a coffee, go to the washroom if you need to. Honestly, I recognize that this isn't everybody's favorite thing. It's the reason why we haven't done this in six months, okay? Um, but for other folks, this is something that we really enjoy, the opportunity to connect. So we're going to mix it in once in a while when we can. But I'm going to invite you to turn and, and to somebody sitting beside you, maybe somebody you know, maybe somebody you don't know, introduce yourself if you need to, and just ask yourself, ask the question or answer the question, what is an, exper- what is an experience that has caused you to look at the world differently? What is an experience that has caused you to look at the world differently? Now, you could share something big, you share something small, it could be silly, it could be serious. It's your choice. I'm not great in this. This is up to you, okay? You can have fun with it. You can kind of go deep. It's, it's, your, it's up to you. It's your call. And we're going to do this for three minutes. That's it. And then we're going to come back to our normal time together. Okay, so what is an experience that has caused you to see the world differently? Go. All right, I can hear the hum. I can have your attention back up here. I said three minutes, I promised it. I'm keeping it to it. I know some of you guys are like, we just got into something good, and that's, that's fantastic. I like it. All right, uh, what was an experience that caused you to see the world differently? Has anybody got like just a short like word or two that would, would convey something you talked about? Something that caused you to see the world differently? Childbirth. Childbirth. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Never done that. <laughs> yes, okay, there you go. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. Uh, yeah, we can all put, half of you can put their hand up for childbirth, yeah. Uh, other folks? Part what? Count. Oh yes, yes. Counselor uh, Chantel here. Yes, a big, big, scary new job, right? Yes. Yeah. Other things. Driving. Driving. Did I hear that one right? Driving. Okay. Yeah. 
Milestone, big change, right? Yes. Loss. Yes, yes. Dealing with loss, big changes to how we look at life, isn't it? You, we could go a lot of different directions with this, right? I mean, we could talk about these are the milestones. These are, you know, exciting. You know, maybe getting your driver's license is a milestone, changes how you look at things, or maybe dealing with loss, or, uh, losing somebody in our, in our families. A new job can, can cause us to look at life differently. You know, becoming a parent uh, and the pro- that whole process, certainly, yeah. Like, there's all sorts. We could go a million different directions here. Going off to school for, the, for those who are going to school, university, and college, uh, that's a big process that, that's going to change how we look at life. Uh, all these things are experiences that change just how we experience, how we think, how we feel about life, how we interact with other people, that ability to shape us. And this kind of leads us into what our big idea is going to be this morning, and that is that our experience with Jesus' love should cause us to see life through the lens of reconciliation. That we have this experience with Jesus, we have this experience with, with, with God's love through Jesus that should shape who we are and just how we look at life. And the thing that we're going to explore this morning is how does reconciliation, what is reconciliation, what does it mean for reconciliation to um, be a part of how we look and we approach and we, we with people and the circumstances that, we're, that, that are part of our lives? Yeah. Our experience with Jesus' love should cause us to see life through the lens of reconciliation. And so to help us think through this this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage from 2 Corinthians. And just by way of just a brief little bit of background, 2 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul uh, to a church in the first century in a place called Corinth. And this church is having some problems. And Paul's actually writing this letter to correct some of the problems that he sees in the life of this young church. And in this passage, what Paul is hoping for is that his readers will allow the love of Jesus to become something that changes them and changes how they engage the world around them. And the interesting thing is, as we read this, this little, these verses that we're going to look at, I, I think we see Paul not setting himself up as the expert who's pointing fingers and saying, okay, you people need to change what you are doing. In fact, what I think is interesting is Paul uses a lot of we language, including himself uh, as, as somebody who needs to apply, uh, you know, grow in what he's talking to them, uh, talking to them about and, and applying what he's talking to them, that this love of Jesus ought to be something that transforms who they are and the relationships that they have with other people and their sense of purpose. And so this morning we're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 and we're going to end at verse 20. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed uh, to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
You know, every once in a while, I, I come across a video online of, of an animal. It's usually a dog who has had like a rough, rough upbringing. Rough upbringing? That's not supposed to be a pun. That wasn't supposed to be there. Um, and, you know, they've been abandoned, and maybe they found themselves in a shelter. And, and then they, you, the video is them being, like, brought home into a new family, and there's love. And, and you can see that this, in this video that love and that care of that new family, it completely transforms this dog. This dog that seemed to be a shell of a dog suddenly be full of life and energy. And all I want to do after I watch that is I want to do two things. I want to run home, and I want to go hug my puppy. And the second thing is I want to go adopt another one. Okay? We are not getting another dog. We're good with the one that we have. But it, it illustrates something that beyond just being sentimental about these things, that there's something inspirational about watching the effects that love can have on someone or something. You know, that as we watch love and action, that there's something about watching that, that, that kind of captures us and we, we can find ourselves saying, we want to be a part of that. We want to experience that. And this idea is a part of what Paul is talking about in this passage. In fact, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, Paul is saying we ought to find the love of Jesus compelling. Now, being compelled to do something might sound to some of us like we're being motivated by duty or maybe out of fear. And for some of us, that's, that's, our, uh, that's our background, that's the background of our spiritual lives. You know, we do what we do because we feel like we don't have any other choice, or we do what we do because we're afraid of making God angry. But in what Paul says, we see that our starting point shouldn't be obligation or fear, but rather our passage today begins by Paul talking about how it's the love of Jesus that compels him. You know, as he gets to know Jesus, as he gets to know how Jesus acts with love, this love is something that is energizing. His love is something that inspires him, it urges him, urges him on, it propels him into mission. Christ's love compels us, is what Paul writes. And as Paul talks about Christ's love, he talks about how it's expressed through Jesus' death. And we remember that, you know, Jesus came to be with people like us, came to be with humanity while we were still sinners. You know, Jesus wasn't turned off by us. He doesn't recoil in, like, disgust or, or, or horror. Rather, he comes to us giving up and gave up the glory of what it meant to be God, to suffer and to die so that people like you and like me can experience forgiveness and freedom from sin. And for Paul, this is what love looks like. This radical love is compelling because it changes how things are. It changes who we are as individuals. It creates new possibilities. It is a love that can and will change the world. It's a love that can give us new purpose right here, right now. And in a few moments, we are going to celebrate communion together. And one of the reasons why we are celebrating communion is that it's a way that we retell the story of Jesus' love for us. As we eat and we drink in, in a few moments' time, what we are doing is we are remembering that, that this love that, that God has, this love of Jesus, wasn't just a nice sentiment, it wasn't just words, but it was, an, it was all in and it was sacrificial. And we are remembering that this is what God's love looks like for us. And that this is the love that has the power to change us and to change the world. And so the practice of communion or the Lord's Supper invites us to remember and invites us to internalize that love. Now in each of our lives, we have 
different experiences that have the, uh, have the ability to change our whole approach to life. We've talked about some of those already this morning. For instance, if someone were to move to a new country, uh, that is an experience that has the ability to change everything about their lives. They get to experience a new culture. They get to see things up close that perhaps they wouldn't have seen before. Maybe they try new foods and, and even maybe start a whole new life. And in all of this, there are adjustments that need to be made. We might need to learn a new language as well as the laws and customs of, of our new home. Now, in theory, we could just continue on you know, speaking our own language and following the laws and customs of, of our home country, the ones that we are familiar with. But in doing so, we'd actually be missing out on the opportunities that would present us in this new place. And we would find that we don't fit in. See, to make the most of it, we need to adjust our approach to life to match our new experience. In a way, what Paul is doing in these verses, he's, he's suggesting that his readers haven't quite adjusted their understanding of life to match their experience with Jesus. They seem to be stuck, looking at people and life and circumstances with a perspective that's not shaped by Jesus and his love. And Paul is encouraging them to allow Jesus to reshape how they approach life. See, the love of Jesus ought to transform Everything about how we go about our lives. How we, uh, love of Jesus ought to transform how we approach our lives. In these verses, Paul tells his readers, and he tells us that because of our experience with, with Jesus' love, we now have new ways of seeing life. He says that we ought to no longer look at life from what he calls a worldly point of view. And, and that is his way of describing a perspective on life that isn't shaped by Jesus and Jesus' love. It's a, it's a perspective on life that isn't centered on Jesus. I mean, the reality is, is that all around us are voices and influences who have suggestions for what our lives should be all about. You know, how we should use our time, how we should use our energy, how we should spend our money, suggestions for how we should respond to the various people and the various circumstances in our lives. And while all of these influences and all these voices aren't necessarily all bad, there is something missing when, when Jesus' love is not what is shaping us. See, when Jesus' love isn't our primary influence, life can easily become about us, and the repercussions can be that we find that we're missing out on what God designed us to be at our best when we are living in. You know, when we, are, we miss out on, on what could be really good. Instead, Paul talks about being in Christ. You know, and this is a way of describing what does it mean to have Jesus and his love at the, at be the absolute focus of who we are and what we are about. And he says if we are in, in Christ, then the result is that we are a part of the something new, the new creation that Jesus and his love are, are bringing about. If we are in Christ, we are the new creation, that thing, that beautiful thing that God is, is doing in our world. We get to be a part of it. Now, the way that Paul writes... Um, you know, the point is that we should, be, uh, we should be thinking about how central Jesus' love ought to be in our lives. You know, the, the reality is that as we get to know Jesus, as we get to know his love, as we experience it, our eyes are, are opened to what his hopes and his dreams are for us and for the world that we live in. And that will change us. And that will change how we engage the, the people in our lives. That will change how we engage the issues that we come across at work, at school, in, in our society. That love will, will, will shape us. See, when Jesus' love is our greatest influence, 
We look around and we see others as being worthy of love and good things. There's, there's voices around us that will say that's not always true, but the love of Jesus is radically different. It shows up in those moments when we are defiant, those moments when we are ashamed, those moments when we are full of regrets and we wish things would be different. And it shows up to bring about something new and something beautiful in the midst of circumstances that others might say, you know what, that's too far gone, don't worry about it. See, when we allow Jesus' love to influence how we engage people and relationships, then something beautiful starts to grow in us. And it starts to inspire us to keep going. It's as if new possibilities are in us. That practice of love is the new creation growing, and and we get to be a part of what Jesus is bringing about in our world. A few weeks ago, Michelle and I attended a, a musical in Stratford. And now, going into this performance, I didn't know anything about what we were going to see except for what was on the playbill. Um, I certainly didn't know the songs. We listened to the songs on the way down, and I knew one of them. I'd heard once, and it was from an episode of The Office where they sang it. It wasn't even from the show. Um, and so this was a whole new experience for me. Now, when we got there, I quickly realized this wasn't a whole new experience for for a lot of people. A lot of people were very familiar with the songs. In fact, there were a few songs when the audience just joined in singing, and it wasn't just like it was a sing-along. It was sort of like people were singing as if that song was their song, and they just couldn't help but sing. It just kind of bubbled out of them. It was a really cool experience. And in a way, I think that this can help us understand what does it mean to live out faith. You know, while there's going to be times when following Jesus involves us having to learn new patterns, new behaviors, new responses, the reality is that that our response to Jesus and his love, our response to this song, is that it becomes our song and it becomes a part of how we go about our lives. See, the love of Jesus is something that just becomes a part of us and it gives us purpose. You know, as Paul talks about the purpose that Jesus' followers followers have, he describes how it flows out of what God himself does. In fact, the purpose that we get if we are a follower of Jesus is a continuation of what God himself is all about. Paul talks about how the new life that Jesus' followers have is the result of God working through Jesus to reconcile us to God. Now, reconciliation is, is the act of restoring friendly relationships And this is what God has done through Jesus. See, because of everything that Jesus did, we can enjoy a relationship with God on friendly, familiar terms. Any animosity that may have existed has been dealt with, and we have a relationship with him like he designed us to be at our best in. And this reconciliation that Paul talks about is God's song. It's a song that's being sung throughout creation. And Paul tells us twice in these verses that this message of reconciliation is our song to sing too. Not because we have to, not because we feel like we're going to disappoint God if we don't, but it's because that song, God's song of love and God's song of reconciliation has become a part of us. Paul says, think about it this way. You are ambassadors of God and his love. You know, ambassadors don't represent themselves. Really what they do is they speak on behalf of the country or the leader that sent them out. And while they might be physically present in one space, their loyalty and their commitment belongs somewhere else. And their job, what their whole job to do is to to be promoting the values and, and the culture of their home country. Paul says this is our role as followers of Jesus. 
to embody this message of reconciliation, the message of of the bigness of God's love and how that love has the ability to overcome so much and to bring healing into some really broken places. And for followers of Jesus, this is our purpose too. You know, sometimes this purpose will involve us uh, telling people about Jesus and inviting them to faith. Sometimes it will involve the words that we, we speak. But just as importantly, it includes mending broken relationships as well as engaging the hurts that exist in our society and doing our part to make things right. You know, one of the reasons why we included a land acknowledgement in our service today is not because we're just following a trend in our society, but it's because we believe that in order to make things right, we need to acknowledge where things have gone wrong and the, that the, and the reality that the implications are still being felt today. In particular, as followers of Jesus, we recognize that so much wrong was done to our indigenous uh, peoples in the name of Christianity. That should really get us. And so it is right for us to, be, to, right for us, uh, to do, do something about this and to care about it. And a land acknowledgement reminds us that reconciliation is needed and is a part of, of our role in this society. And at the same time, we recognize that a land acknowledgement is just one step in this process. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it's a step in this process of living lives of reconciliation. And you know what? That is just one community. You know, we could discuss the LGBTQ community. We could talk about those with disabilities. We could talk about other racialized groups. We could talk about the homeless and people who are dealing with other insecurities. You know, the work of reconciliation includes recognizing how some people experience Christians in the church have not been reflective of the God who is love. And the work of reconciliation invites us to think about what, what can we do to bring reconciliation, to bring God's love into these places. You know, as followers of Jesus, we have the opportunity to sing the song of reconciliation, to bring it into our conversation with our families and our friends, to have it be the soundtrack of how we engage the issues that exist in our neighborhood and in our region. The song of reconciliation is that God's love is really, really big. In Ephesians, Paul prays that the Christians in that church would catch a glimpse of just how big God's love is, how mind-bendingly big it is. He talks about how uh, the height, the depth, the, the width, and the length of this love. In other words, it is huge. It's bigger than we think it is. And this big love has the ability to change lives, has the ability to change people, and has the ability to address some of the big hurts that exist in our society today. And so as a part of us thinking about this, we're going to include communion in our time together this morning. And the reason why we're including communion is it does a couple things for us. One, it reminds us of God's love and it invites us to contemplate, you know, how we've experienced God's love at work in our own lives. And not only that, but it reminds us of our calling to sing the song of reconciliation that we have a mission to be this reconciliation in the relationships that we have at work, at school, in our neighborhoods, wherever we might be, in our families, with our friends, that we have a, a, a part to play in this. 
And so as we hold the elements in our hands this morning, we are invited to contemplate this. Now, by practical way of instruction this morning, we are using these little uh, all-in-one communion packages. If you haven't used one of these this morning, heads up, they're crinkly, okay? Um, and if we haven't got one, put your hand up and we'll bring one to you. One up, One's needed up here at the front. Um, how it works is underneath the first layer of cellophane, there is a little wafer that will be our bread. And underneath the next uh, layer of foil, that is our juice. Uh, it's recommended that when you open the juice, you open it away from yourself. Otherwise, you might get spray on your shirt. I know. I've had that experience. I want to save you from that if you can help it. At this time, I'd invite you to open up your communion and just hold the wafer in your, in your hand. Feel free to run your fingers over it. You know, I think it's pretty, it's pretty amazing that Jesus, when he gave us the Last Supper, he, he was giving us a very tactile way of us remembering his sacrifice. What we're doing here today is not just a thought exercise, but it's something that we can touch, something that we can taste, something that we can smell. And I think it's important that we use these senses uh, because it helps us remember On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. I invite you just to break it. Saying that this was his body that was broken for us. See, what Jesus was doing is he was pointing ahead to what would happen to him on the cross. And in this, we catch a glimpse of God's love, Jesus' love for us. Let us eat together. done so already, I invite you to open up your juice. And again, just hold it in your hands. Experience it. As Jesus is having dinner with his disciples, he takes a cup of wine and he said, this this is my blood that is shed for you. You know, as we hold this, we are remembering that, you know, what Jesus has done is for us, yes, so that may we, we may experience the new life, that be a part of this new creation. But there's also a part of this that we remember that we do this, as we do this, that it propels us outward into relationships with others. And so before we drink, I just invite you just to think for a moment of a couple people in your life who really do need to experience, you know, the song of reconciliation. They need to experience the bigness of God's love. And maybe ask God to, you know, give you a practical idea about what you can do even this week in response to that. As we drink together, we do so as people who Jesus willingly died for.
not begrudgingly, not because he had to, but because he wanted to, because he loves you and he loves me. So let me look at you this morning and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Let us drink. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we want to say thank you for who you are, for the bigness of your love, and Lord, how you have done everything to come and find us, to show us love when perhaps we are resistant to it. Lord, that your desire is to know us and to, for us to experience your love. And for Lord Jesus, as we have had communion this morning, we have been reminded of that. Help us to internalize the reality of that love. Lord, we, we live in, in a world that has lots of hurts. We perhaps ourselves are feeling those this morning. God, may we know the healing power of your love that even this morning that we might feel that love flowing through us and touching some of those points that are in our lives that are feeling a little fragile, a little vulnerable this morning. Lord, help us to trust you to take care of us. Lord, help us to have faith when faith doesn't come easy. Lord, we're grateful for the people that you've put in our lives and for the opportunities that we have to, to, to laugh, to love, to, to be encouraged, to experience life with other people. God, we pray this morning that, that you would, would grow in us this love that comes from you and that it would flow into these relationships, the people we work with, the people we go to school with, our family and our friends. Lord, may we be known by your love and may that love be transformational. Lord Jesus, thank you. Amen.